appreciate you. Love you, sir. Appreciate you. Let's, let's pray for this deacon right here. Though. Everybody stretch their hands right there. <laughs> he sat back there. They said, they're giving out a gift. You better stand up on your feet. Uh, so we thank God for both of our deacons. God for all of our fathers. Well, I don't endeavor to keep you all long today. I just really uh, have something on my heart that I believe the Spirit of God gave me to share with the fathers, and certainly everyone uh, in the building will benefit because it's just general parenting. It's just specific to fathers. And so let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into what the Spirit of God has for us today. Father, we acknowledge you as our ultimate Father. And Father, whatever we've been lacking in life, you've more than made up the difference. Of course, in my life, I grew up without a father. And so you taught me how to be a man, and you put other men in my path to be an example. And I thank you for that today. And so as we minister to the hearts and lives of the fathers that you're raising up, may we do it today with a spirit of grace. May it be uplifting and encouraging. And may every father walk out of here and every person walk out of here today feeling better about themselves. And Father, I give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. All right, if you all would, just turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you have the Version Bible app, all of the notes are right there on the Version Bible app. Just go to events. Pull up Linked Up Church. All the notes will pop right up. I want to welcome our Facebook Live audience as well as Periscope. Uh, you can also follow right along with the notes as well. And so I want to encourage all the fathers in here today. I came up with an acronym uh, for dad. And again, I didn't make it up. I actually researched it and found it. But I like uh, what it meant. And it said dedicated and devoted. That's a dad. A dad is someone who is dedicated and devoted. When you think about the word dedicated, it means committed, right? When you think about the word devoted, usually it's a pursuit of something. So when you talk about a dad, a dad is dedicated or devoted or, or committed to the pursuit of something. And today we're going to talk about his pursuit of being a father. He should be committed to this pursuit of being a father. And so in my introduction today, God's purpose for marriage is to create families in which children have the benefit of parents who provide the best upbringing possible. And the key word here is possible. Don't compare what you're able to do to what someone else is able to do. What you want to be able to do is do the best that you can do based off of the resources that God has provided for you, not in comparison to anyone else, because where you're at may be your best, and we need to celebrate that without comparing that to other people, okay? For this, for this to occur, occur uh, parents have to understand what their roles are, and they must fulfill those roles, and so we're going to talk today four key areas for a father. They're really, from Genesis to Revelations, four key areas that the scripture highlights for a father. And so the first area is that he must be dedicated to the pursuit of providing life's necessities. And that is his responsibility, and he has to dedicate himself to that. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll see there parents ought to provide for their children. That is our responsibility, right? 
And so as a father, it is ultimately our responsibility, but of course the wives and the mothers can help us, but it is ultimately our responsibility. And so I want to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to read verses 14 and 15. Now in context, Paul, who is a spiritual father of sorts to the church at Corinth, but he's also an apostle, and he's the one that planted this church, and most of them came to know Christ under his ministry. And what he's talking to them, or how he's talking to them is as a leader, but he's using an analogy about parenting, which I think is just so appropriate for uh, what we're sharing today. In verse 14, it says, Now for the third time I am ready to come to you. And I will not be burdensome to you. So notice the heart of a father doesn't want to be burdensome to his children. Goes on to say, for I do not seek yours, but you. So once again, what Paul is saying here, I just don't want to give you stuff. I want you. And so what you'll learn about children is they really, they like things, but they really like you. They really want you more than they do the stuff that you provide for He goes on to say here, and all of this is just so appropriate, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And so from the time a child is born, parents, and in particular when we're talking about the necessities of life, the father has to begin thinking about all of the important transitions in that child's life, and then from the moment that child is born, begin preparing for those. So, so the moment the child is born, we're already talking about what types of schools we want to send our kids to. And that preparation begins. We're already talking about what college will look like. And that preparation begins. You already know they'll want to drive a car at the age of 16 because you did. And so it's much easier to prepare for 16 years than it is in 16 days prior to the 16th birthday. And so a a father is in this dedicated pursuit of providing the the necessities that their children will need to transition through all of the appropriate moments in that child's life. He goes on to say here, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your soul. So in other words, Paul is saying here as a leader over this group, there's nothing that I'm unwilling to do if it's going to benefit you and your soul. Even if that means emptying myself completely out, and that is really the role and sacrifice of a father, is that he's willing to empty himself out for the improvement and betterment of his children. So Paul said, I'd much rather spend and be spent for your souls. And then watch this right here. And this is where all leaders and all fathers have to understand this. For though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. And if you're raising children in here, you understand what I'm talking about. If you're a leader, you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes it can feel like the more you do, not only do the less they appreciate, but the less it feels like they love you back. Am I the only one in here? Can anybody help me out just a little bit in here today? But it should never change the why behind what you do. Because ultimately, you're doing it for a higher reason. And there are going to be times throughout the course of that process where you won't feel like you're getting back what you're putting in. 
But that's the role of a leader, and that is the role of a father. Letter B under point number one, a man who fails to do so for his family, the Scripture says, is worse than an unbeliever. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 says in verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, we're talking about providing life's necessities, and especially for those of his household. Now, I want to take a moment here because we know we live in a blended society with blended families. We live in a lot of single-parent households. The word father is a Greek word called pater, and it literally means a male parent. And so regardless of whether or not I'm with the mother or not, I'm still the father of the child, which means I still have a responsibility to provide the basic necessities, watch this, for my child. Because a man will always be responsible for what he created. Then once he marries a woman who already has a child, what he is saying is, I am also accepting responsibility for now our child. I need three good hallelujahs on that one right there. So if they're in your household, then you are responsible for them. Scripture goes on to say, if he doesn't do these things, then he's denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. Amplified, another translation says, who performs his duties in this manner. And so let's just encourage the man, okay? I want to make sure that you understand that no matter where you're at, you can start somewhere. Right? And so let's not cry over spilled milk. We cannot change yesterday. Only thing we can do is start today and improve tomorrow. And so it's okay to say, I'm sorry. I haven't been what I've always desired to be. And that's okay. I've had to do that with my children where I'm sorry. I didn't handle that the right way. I apologize. Give me a fresh start to start over. And then ask your children, what can I do to be a better father to you? And then let the child tell you. And then you'll be surprised. They forgive fast and they forget fast as long as progress is being made in the right direction. So we've got to start somewhere. So let's just say the, in the household it's 50-50. She provides 50, he provides 50. You eventually want to get that to where it's all on you. And anything that she gives you is plus money. Savings, vacation, payoff bills, retirement. But you have to start somewhere. In some households, it might be 80-20. And that's okay as long as the two of them agree. But let's start working in a direction where at the end of the day, the weight of it is on my shoulders. I hear nothing but ladies saying amen right now. <laughs> this is all I hear in here. Amen, 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 amen. I don't hear any amen. And so, listen, don't beat yourself up. If God made you this way, then God has graced you with the ability to walk in this. And watch this. The moment you accept the mantle, he'll grant you all the wisdom necessary to accomplish the goal. The moment you say, I want this responsibility, 
then he'll grace you to do it. Okay? But we've got to start somewhere. Okay? And what you start doing is you just start working your way up. If you've been at zero, okay, let's just, if you contributed now 5%, we're heading in the right direction. And ladies, celebrate that. Any effort that he's making, celebrate it. Okay. Number two, do not provoke your children to wrath. You'll find that this admonition is found twice in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or anger. And you'll see inside of the word provoke is the word poke. And I mean, you know, a lot of times we can just pick at our children. Just to be picking at them because of what we're going through. And literally what he's talking about is don't anger your children with your anger. If you look up the literal Greek here, he's, he's saying don't anger your children with your anger, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So it says, don't anger them with your anger. So as parents and as fathers, you know, it almost seems like the only time we really are ready to discipline them is when they made us angry. Am I the only one? It's really when I'm angry, when I'm ready to really be, be a disciplinarian. I'm just being honest. It's like when I'm not angry, I don't even want to be a, I, I just want to love on them. But it's when they've angered me that I want to now be a disciplinarian. And that's been a mistake on my part. What you've got to learn how to do is say, okay, they've made a mistake, but my response can't be out of anger. Right? Because all I'm getting ready to do is anger the child more with my anger. As, as it's been in my household, there have been times when my son would yell back at me, Dad, that's not helping me. And it seems like the more he say that, the angrier I would get. Because, again, because he had the audacity to say something back. Well, where does that come from? That's not in the Bible. That comes from how we were raised. See, all of that, I brought you into this world. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. Come on, I brought you into this world. See, all of that stuff, see, if we tell the truth, it didn't work on us. The only thing that really works long term is the word of God. And so what we have to do is get rid of our upbringing and grow in God so that we can raise the kids according to his standards. And so I've had to go back to both my children at times and say, you know what? What I did was out of anger and that was wrong. And so I was too hard. The discipline was too harsh because it was motivated by anger and not by love. And for that, I apologize. And you have to be able to do that, folks. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> I don't know where I would be today if it wasn't for the ladies in this building. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. See, they're helping me out today. That's... Let's look at it another way. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, again, reiterates... Fathers, do not poke at your children. Don't provoke your children. Watch this, very key word here. Lest they become discouraged. The word discouraged means dishearted. 
faint. They'll get to a place where they they just don't want to do anything because nothing that they do pleases you. And so Albert Barnes describes it this way. By unreasonable commands and by needless severity, by the manifestation of anger. That's Barnes' commentary on Ephesians 6.4. Matthew Henry describes Colossians 3.21 this way, and I've made this mistake too. Lest by your continually finding fault with them, they should lose all courage and despair of ever pleasing you. So I want to encourage parents in general, fathers in particular, we've got to learn how to encourage even the little progress that our children makes. Even if it's not the standard that we expected, if they made progress, we need to celebrate that and encourage them and motivate them because they need that instead of saying, you only got a a C and I was expecting an A, but did they go up from a D to a C? What that child needs is constant encouragement, constant reinforcement. And if all we ever do is point out what they did wrong, they're going to become faint-hearted. They're going to lose all hope, and they won't believe that they could ever do anything to please us, and they'll quit altogether. And so mistakes that I've made because of how I grew up athletically, you know, we grew up playing on parks. So it was no blood, no fire. Matter of fact, we played so hard that the, the offense couldn't even call foul. So in other words, if the defense didn't believe they fouled you, play through that. Get up. Wipe the blood off your mouth. Keep playing. And then if you show any signs of softness, they're going to give you something to cry about. Oh, you're going to cry over a hard foul? They ain't going to take you over there behind one of the trees. These are all the older guys in the neighborhood and toughen you up a little bit. Well, listen, I'm trying to do that to my son who's growing up in an environment that is the direct opposite of the environment that I grew up in. So I'm sitting up here telling him all of this stuff and going at him, and he's like, what are you talking about? We live in the suburbs. I go, to, I go to a private school. I don't go to a public school. I don't fight every day, Dad. This is how he would respond. And then finally it dawned on me. Listen to me. I'm telling you from mistakes. And finally it dawned on me. I cannot recreate the environment that I grew up in. So why am I trying to teach my son lessons And he has not been exposed to an environment that he completely does not understand. And watch this. My son stopped performing. He stopped playing hard. His grades went down. All because all I pointed out was what he was doing wrong. hurts me to say that even right now. God's grace is sufficient. More than apologized and we're heading on down the road. What's my point here? You got to forget your upbringing. 
and raise your children according to God's standards. And any progress that they make needs to be celebrated. Number three, provide spiritual training. Provide spiritual training. That is primarily the dad's responsibility to provide spiritual training. In Ephesians chapter 4, the ESV says that the word training means discipline. So in the discipline and admonition or instruction of the Lord. So spiritual training then provides discipline and instruction. So when you're talking about correcting or training a child God's way, then all discipline has to have instruction included with it. So even when the child makes a mistake, the discipline, it can't just be go to your room, give me your cell phone, don't come out till I say so. And don't talk back to me. What'd you say? Two weeks now in your room. It's what we do. Anybody else in here been guilty? What, what, what'd you say? All right, then. I'll give, it, I'll give you your phone back when I think you're ready for it. Makes it all of that is, I'll just tell on myself, ignorant parenting from where we came from. Right. Has to have, watch this, discipline has to have instruction. Then watch this. Then a pathway back to success. And so if I'm disciplining my child or your child, if you're disciplining your child, then what you want to do is make sure that the discipline comes with some form of instruction that includes a pathway back to the standard that they need to be at. Okay? Now let's look at this. Training by way of instruction. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I cut a lot out of this just for time's sake to get it all in today. But you can cross-reference everything that I'm sharing with you today And you're going to find four to five additional scriptures that support everything I'm sharing with you today. And this will help you more than help you be a tremendous parent to your children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6, and 7, training by way of instruction. Verse 6 says, and these words which I command you this day, key, key phrase here, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And so if you understand what he's talking about here, you've got to spend a lot of time with your children in order to raise good children. Right? And so whatever is in your heart is what you're going to give to your children. So we have to get out of this way of thinking that the the more I work and the more I provide, the better father I am for for my children because that's really not so. Think about what he said here. If I'm rising up in the morning, then we're spending time around the table. Right? That's called breakfast. Families don't do that anymore. Everyone's on their own. So when you rise up, When you sit in your house, see, now I've come back home. You you know how important it is sometimes to just come home, and they may be on video games or something. Just go sit by them. 
And it's amazing. They just start talking. Especially my daughter. Yeah, I, oh, I mean, it just goes. <laughs> and listen, I love every minute of it. So we're talking about rising up. We're talking about when we sit in the house. We're talking about when we walk by the way. So that means now we do stuff together. And every time we're out doing stuff together, it's a teaching moment. Every time. Not where we say, son or daughter, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 says. (laughs) I mean, you don't need to do all of that. Most of the teaching moment is by example. See, if I'm opening doors for my daughter, she's learning how to be treated as a young lady. If I'm pulling her chair out when we get to the restaurant, she's learning how to be treated as a young lady. Right? If my son is watching this, then he's watching how to treat a young lady. When we get to the restaurant and they're on the same side and I say, son, pull out your sister's chair. Son, go around the other side of the car, get your mother's door. I mean, these are all teaching moments where I'm not using chapter and verse, but I'm training how to teach, treat females. And so when you walk by the way, then when you lie down. So that means before we go to bed at night, we need to have some conversation. Right? There's nothing wrong with going in your kid's room and just telling them you love them. How proud you are of them. Kiss them on the forehead. Then tell them, sleep well, because tomorrow's going to be a great day for all of us. Go to Psalm 78. I'm almost out of time up here. Psalms number 78. You all getting anything out of this today? It seems like, like our grandparents grew up with less, but they did more. And the reason they did more with less is because they spent more time. Each generation now gets busier and busier, and we're chasing, you know, got to get more money, got to do this, got to do that. And, we're, 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 and you see what's happening to the kids as a result of it. It was Father's Day weekend yesterday. It's interesting. I asked my son. I said, my son was like, what do you want to do? I said, man, it's, I get more joy out of you. What do you want to do? He said, Dad, I want to go to, uh, what's the little jumping place? Uh, Sky Zone. He said, Dad, I want to go to Sky Zone. Man, we want the Sky Zone. See, now what I'm learning, it can't all be about sports and education and success. So today we're going to go see the movies. He want to see Tupac. (laughs) Can I just be transparent? I want to see Tupac too. (laughs) So we're going to be in there together. Thug life up in this piece. (laughs) Yay, yay. (laughs) And so if you notice... Because I'm a pastor, I have to on purpose be normal with my child. And teach them how to have good, clean fun and enjoy good, clean entertainment that's not always gospel. (laughs) Or you'll turn your children off. Psalm 78. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? See, we need to stop acting like we're so spiritual. 
because we end up being no earthly good. It's a time to be spiritual, but it's also a time to have fun. My son had so much fun at that Sky Zone yesterday. Honestly, I wanted to get out there and play some dodgeball myself, man. But I said, you know what, I got to preach in the morning, so let me. They were playing hard. They were trying to hurt each other out there. Psalm 78. Let's look verses 4 through 7 here. It says, we will not hide them from our children, them referring to the law of the Lord, the, the word of God, the law of Moses, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, watch this, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So notice it was that father's responsibility to pass on the word of God and the legacy of God to the children, continually reminding the children what God said and everything good that we have came from God so that the children would grow up knowing what God said, seeing the results of following God, and then they would pass that on to their children. And this is how we get what's called generational blessings, right? And it all comes through the head of the household who is the father. We know the opposite of that is true as well. When he does not provide the word of God and does not share about the goodness of God, then darkness is in that family, and each generation gets darker and darker and Instead of brighter and brighter, okay? And so it's so important. A couple of things I want to note here from Deuteronomy 6 and Psalm 78. You'll notice from Deuteronomy 6 there, uh, it said that the word must first be in the Father's heart, right? It says, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So I want you to listen to me, fathers. You will never be able to give your children what you don't have. And so the greatest gift you can give your child is your personal devotion time, right? Now you're able to speak to your child out of your overflow. See, if I'm getting up every day, spending time in the Word of God and getting my prayer time in, now I'm speaking to my child from the Word that's in my heart. Even though I'm not using chapter and verse, the Word has been planted in my heart, and now I'm able to share principles from that Word that will help raise up my children, right? But it first has to be in the Father's heart. You will never give them what you don't have. Taking them to church is not good enough. They need to see God at home. They need to see God on the job. Come on, somebody. They need to see God in how you, how you conduct your business. They need to see God in everything that you do because they're watching when you run red lights. They need to see you acknowledge that running that red light was a mistake. Because they're watching everything. If you're texting and driving, if you're, come on, somebody, they're watching all of these things. And so the only thing that's going to keep you is the word of God. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
So the word must first be in the father's heart. Then the father can lead his family like Joshua led his family. Go with me to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua now has taken over the reins and leading the children of Israel. They are now in the promised land. And notice something powerful he says here in Joshua chapter 24. And it should be all of our positions. He says, now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But he said, as for me and my house, we will what? That is a father's responsibility to set the tone for how the household goes, right? He sets the tone for the spiritual nature in that household. If he stands up and takes a stand and asks for me in this house, we're going to serve the Lord, the rest of the house usually follows that. Watch this, especially if all the basic necessities are met. The challenge comes in when we're trying to rule and there's been no provision. Becomes a little bit more challenging. Still can be done. But now you need wisdom. When basic necessities aren't being provided for. And we're trying to rule. I want you to listen to this. And we're getting ready to wrap it up. Letter C under here. Training by way of example is the best way. You'll find that children really don't listen to what you say. Anyone notice that yet? While your mouth is moving, they hear you. They're not listening. What they're doing is watching you. And they're making decisions based off of whether or not they want to do this God thing, not based off of what you say, but based off of what you do. Listen to this statistics here, or the, this statistic. I want you to consider the following. When the father is an active believer... There's about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers. It'd be nice if that was actually going up behind me so you all could see that, right? Because I notice most of you all are staring at me and not really looking at this. This is, this is powerful for you to be able to look at. You may be looking at it on your e-version, but I'm telling you, it'd be powerful if you could see this right up there on that big screen. Consider the following. When the father is an active believer there's about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers. Isn't that interesting? Listen to this. But if only the mother is a believer, this likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15%. That's according to Keith Mayering, the Discipleship Journal. Isn't that interesting? That's the profound impact that we have on our children. They don't do what we say. They do what we do. Let's close with this thought. Provide loving discipline. Even as our heavenly father disciplines his children, let's use this as a model. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 4 through 11 out of the Message Bible. 
it just really, everything I would have said, the Message Bible said it for me, okay? Let's use this as a model for disciplining our children. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 through 11, Message Bible. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all the bloodshed, so don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children? And that God regards you as his children. So my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. If the child he loves, it's the child that he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you that why you must never, that's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. So if you're going through a tough time right now, you need to accept the fact that God is just training you. Anybody in here going through a tough time right now? You've got to learn how to embrace the training. Now, of course, I couldn't have told you this three and a half years ago. Certainly three and a half years later, I can tell you the best thing I could have ever gone through is what I just went through these last three and a half years. Some of the best training God could have provided for me was to let me feel all of that, every ounce of it. Because I'm going to show you the benefit of that. See, of course, when we're going through it, we don't like that, right? But if we can accept it that God is training us, we know something good is coming out of it. Honestly, today, I could see all of the people who did that. Three and a half years ago, if I saw them, I would have punched them. Today, I'd kiss them on the forehead. <laughs> and tell them, thank you, man. Where would I be had, had that not happened? <laughs> Can't see it when you're going through it. But, but now as I'm maturing... Everything is just God training me. So if I'm in it, it's because I need more training. See, and if you can embrace whatever it is that you're going through as my training time, it's preparing you to reign in that same situation on the other side. Let's keep reading. So God is educating you that why you must ne- that's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? So while we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us. So we've got to learn how to accept whatever I'm in, it's the best situation I need to be in right now if I'll receive it as training, right? And if I don't drop out of the class, I'll graduate. Right? And then when I graduate, I'll come out on the other side better than I was when I went in. Again, I, t- I tell you, I'll be perfectly honest, I could not have told you this three and a half years ago because I was in the thick of it. Three and a half years later, man, 
What a gift to me. And I noticed, Deacon Al, God didn't, he let me feel every ounce of it. He didn't take one bit of it away. See, that's a good father. If you say one week, then it needs to be one week. Whatever the discipline is, stick to it. Right? If you say you've got to save this much to get this, stick to it. Because that training is preparing them to reign on the other side. Isn't this good stuff right here? You want to hear a little bit more of it? Listen to the rest of this from this message Bible. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain, and it does. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is the well-trained, listen to this, who find themselves mature in their relationships with God. Isn't that good? So now we've got to learn how to invite training. Don't run from tough times. Embrace them. And say, okay, God, you're in here with me. Let's grow up together. Show me how you want me to grow up in this situation. Isn't that good? I'm just out of time. Read one more verse, Proverbs chapter 13, 13, 24. Even though it may be unpleasant at times, we have to provide training, instruction that leads to some kind of pathway for our kids to be successful, even at times when it's unpleasant, right? I've just recently had to tell my son, I had to apologize to him, and then I told him, this is a true story. I said, son, if you fail, I won't pastor a church. He looked back at me and he said, are you serious, dad? I said, look, look me in my eye. If you fail, I'm not pastoring a church. I said to him, because a pastor's job is to be an example to his congregation. I'm not telling you I won't be in ministry. I just don't need to be the leader of a ministry. He knew I was serious. He said, well, what would you do, Dad? I said, I would rededicate myself to you Amen. until you succeeded, Period. And I mean that with every fiber of my being. It's not that I don't love what I do. I just love my children more than what I do. Right? And so the scripture says that he must rule his household well. Period. Proverbs 13, 24. Message Bible says a refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. And so notice, you don't spoil children by giving them things. You only spoil children by not disciplining them. And all godly discipline has instruction that leads to a pathway back to success. You all get anything out of this today? Good stuff. And so no matter where you're at today, I want you to make a decision to raise your children God's, God's way, trusting that God's grace will be sufficient, and then stand on the promise of Proverbs 24 and 6, 22 and 6, that if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. Let's all stand up on our feet. 
And I want to pray over all the fathers right now, just very quickly. Everyone stand up on your feet. I want to pray everything we just ministered over every father today. So if you're a father, just lift your hand up in the air. Lift it up. Keep it up. If you see a father around you with his hand lifted up in the air, would you put a hand on his shoulder or stretch your hands towards him? And let's hold these fathers up right now while we pray for them. Let's hold them up according to the Word of God. And so, Father, I pray for every dad in here that is dedicated and devoted, Father, that you'll give them a spirit, Father, and a desire and a passion to provide the life.